minus 10, 9. You're listening to the Launchpad Podcast with J Man. Brought to you by Galant Media. Here's your host, Ignition J Man. Hey, how you doing? J-Man here, and welcome once again to the Launchpad Podcast. You can find me online at launchpadpodcast.com to find all episodes and subscribe. And today we have a gentleman who is a musician. He is a bar owner of the Brass Monkey. I've known him for many times. I believe you were like some type of small engine mechanic way, way back in the day helping me fix my CRX. And also the founder of Open Safe Ottawa. Scotty Rufo here on the program. Thank you so much for taking the time this morning. Hey, it's always a pleasure. So what were you doing back in the day when you were helping me fix my CRX? <laughs> oh, God, geez. Probably back then I was, uh, was running the garage at uh, Metro Towing, I think, was where, where it first started. So right. Metro Towing, and then I took over their auto parts store, and they closed that. Then I bought an auto parts store, and then uh, that was right at the beginning of the uh, or the end of the automotive crash. So uh, we got kind of sucked into that and closed the store down. And I'd always done some freelance work for my neighbor, Paul, who owns uh, Professional Sound Lighting here in town. I've been with him for 15 years almost. I think this is my 15th year with them now, running uh, running PSL. So, which, you know, is another industry that co- totally got wiped out by this, uh, you know, the pandemic and, and whatnot as well. So right. the whole entertainment industry as a whole has is, is really been destroyed. Right. And that's what we're here to talk about. Basically, COVID, the impacts of COVID when it comes to small business, especially restaurants, entertainment, things of that nature. Now, I got into trade shows about two years ago. Go figure. <laughs> like the worst industry to be in right now. Uh, obviously, yep. anything that is entertainment um, built or driven. And now let's just talk about the bar. Uh, so you were a musician first. Uh, you played in a lot of bands locally. Did you ever? Yeah. Okay. And then, I mean, at one point you had the opportunity to buy the Brass Monkey and then you, you jumped on that. What was it that had you wanting to get into the industry, live music? Well, I mean, I guess if there's there's many several parts to it. I Back in uh, 80, from 88 to Really part of 91, I guess I worked uh, here at a local radio station, 54 Rock, which was probably hands down the best WKRP radio station we've ever had in, in Ottawa. Um, you know, I did that for a few years and, and, uh, kept contact with, with them and made many, you know, friends and colleagues through that. Um, you know, secondly, my, uh, my cousin Dennis owned, uh, Basic Puff Entertainment, uh, you know, and brought countless amounts of bands into the city over the years. So uh, there's always that connection as well. So I guess it was kind of just natural progression. Um, tell you the story, you know, we were at, uh, at uh, a good friend of mine, Pat Finn's uh, wedding reception, and we were standing around and I had uh, been partnered up with uh, another good friend of mine, Elon, at the Bourbon Room here in town. And uh, we were doing live music out of there and he wanted to go back to a, you know, DJ dance format. And somebody at the wedding reception said, Hey, I heard the Brats Monkey was for sale. And we were kind of laughing about it or whatever, because at that point, um, they were pretty much just booking anything and destroying whatever they could to put people in the, uh, in the seats kind of thing. So, uh, I sent Pat, one of the owners, a quick text and he said, Yeah, call me tomorrow. And we started chit chatting about it. And I talked to, to Brian, who's his, uh, partner at the time and his, uh, his other brother, 
had a little conversation and I think within a week we had already started paperwork on, on purchasing it. They just wanted to get out of it. They had another business uh, that was doing really well for them at the time. And we thought there was opportunity to expand on it. So a few guys got together and we scraped our, our dimes and nickels up and made an offer on, uh, on the brass monkey and dealt with the landlord. The landlord had already had two or three offers uh, that she had refused. She wanted to make sure that somebody was already involved in the entertainment world. So, you know, when, uh, when the brass monkey came up, there was myself, Pat, was uh, managing Long and McQuaid here in town at the time. And, um, uh, you know, one of my partners, Chad, was a drummer in a couple of my bands, but he was also a touring drummer, had lots of experience from that. Um, another one of our partners was uh, was uh, into band management. He managed the Killer Dwarfs and a few other uh, Canadian acts as well. So it kind of just all worked together that we all had kind of the same mindset. And, you know, we hands down, you know, we built it into the probably the best live music venue, or at least most most famous live music venue in the last six years in Eastern Ontario. That's for sure. You know, I think yeah. we're going on nine years or eleven years uh, with the name the Brass Monkey, um, but we bought it six years ago. So, well, you brought in a lot of big acts and some obscure acts and some just really great new talent as well. I got mm-hmm. to see someone who I really like actually that I saw in a documentary, Thor. That was so cool yeah. seeing Thor at the bar. Uh, what would be what would be your number one accomplishment as an establishment in regards to uh, someone that you are able to be br- bringing in? It could, and this can even be just let's say let's do one for you and then one for your fans. So what would that be? One one band or one artist for your fan, and what would be one big one for you? I think uh, I think probably the only time I ever really got fangirl was um, Steve Harris from Iron Maiden. I think that one there was probably, and, you know, as a musician, you know, I grew up as an 80s kid, long hair and, and whatever, and uh, Iron Maiden was a was a massive, massive influence on my life uh, musically. So having the founder of Iron Maiden with his uh, side project in was kind of special. I think we sold that show in 33 minutes. Wow. Um, and uh, I guess... You know, I've been uh, an audio tech front of house engineer for 20 something years now. Um, when he was on tour, his touring tech with him was the monitor engineer for Iron Maiden. So I got to spend some time with him all day and cool. got a couple of shots of Jameson and uh, had a good time. You know, it was a really good, good. It was probably one of the best shows we've ever done. Nice. Um, but for your no fans? Fan show? God, I don't know, man. There's been some big ones. Ginger was probably a, a real huge thing to see in a bar just before they broke out. Um, you know, we've, we've brought in from so many genres with Nazareth and Uriah Heep and all these big things that you would have seen, you know, on massive, massive festivals and stuff like that. Uh, you know, even, even some of our incredible local talent, Annihilator, who's, you know, I mean, Jeff Waters with Annihilator is hands down one of the top probably 10 metal guitar players on the planet. And we, right. and we brought in a lot of these guys and we've had guys in from Megadeth and yeah. from Ozzy's band. And, you know, if you're into the rock stuff and, and same thing with, you know, we've done some ex- obscure stuff with uh, our friends, you know, Sean at Spectrosonic and Christina at, um, uh, at Chord Productions and Brandon at Diamond. You know, we brought in some pretty neat stuff. We brought it, we had a freak show in that I brought in uh, a few years ago, Hell's a Pop, and which was great. I mean, right. you know, a good old fashioned, 
you know, 1920s kind of style touring freak show. It was, it was pretty cool to see too. So Okay, so Scotty, the reason why I asked that question is because I wanted to get those juices flowing because music is so important to people's lives. And it's yeah. not just something that you're enjoying right then and there. It's the nostalgia pop. It's something that makes us feel good. It's something that we look forward to. Like it's this universal language uh, that everybody speaks. And that's been taken away from us, right, due to COVID. Now, you've been shut down for how long in total at the Brass Monkey? Well, we shut down with everybody March 17th, 2020. You know, a, a whole March has gone by again now, a year later. Um, I think out of the three, you know, big lockdowns uh, over the last 15 months, I, I believe we were open a total of about four months, so. Right. So we, we've lost almost a full year of, of revenue. Right. And that must be tough, obviously. I mean, this is something that's your baby, right? And then to well, not be able to open your baby. <laughs> yeah. And it was a five-year plan for me originally. You know, a few of, few of my partners have, uh, have moved on over, over time. It's, uh, you know, their careers took off and they had to dedicate more time to that and families uh, as well. Um, you know, my, my right-hand man, Dion, uh, his wife took a position out in Grand Prairie, Alberta. So he's been gone for two and a half, three years now. Mm. Um, you know, and uh, so I, I ended up taking a lot of this on myself. And there's many times where I've said, that's it, I'm going to quit and whatever. But again, it comes down to passion, right? And, you know, the even our, even our local artists here, um, you know, and you know lots of them, they, they need that space to be able to express themselves and to play to their fans. And sadly, during, you know, this pandemic, we've lost a lot of good music venues, um, you know, so we're doing our best to try to try to keep up. And every time, you know, we turn the corner, there's another curveball, whether it's rules and regulations from a pandemic or it's uh, even internal stuff with, you know, the price of insurance has tripled uh, during the pandemic. Wow. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, just even even simple things with us not even being there. Like we still go in and and uh, we have kind of rotating uh thing going on with staff where everybody goes in every other day so somebody somebody goes in on Tuesday somebody goes in on Thursday whatever it is you know just to flush the toilets and wipe things down and right uh we've had you know with us being in a basement one of the uh, businesses above us had a flood but we didn't know about it for you know three or four days it was over a weekend we didn't know about it and came back to you know an inch of water over half of the uh, inside of the bar and the ceiling coming down and wow like you need any more trouble yeah, and there's there's all kinds of things, you know. We're, we're still paying hydro. We're still paying for gas. We're still paying for, you know, uh, all of those incidentals that come around. The government's really given us nothing. I didn't I didn't take out these sixty thousand dollar loans and all this shit because I just didn't see the the point of being in more debt. Right. You know, our landlord's been great with us. Our landlord, uh, my landlord, who who's become an incredible ally with us, you know, she said don't put yourself in more debt. We really don't know how long this is going to go on for. And that right. was in April. And that's that a whole bunch April. of people right now taking out these, these loans that for them aren't necessarily good loans, hoping that when things open up, that they're able to, you know, pick up enough traction to where they can pay off that debt and then somehow make a livelihood. But I mean, I get it. People do not want to let go of something that, that means so much to them. Now you're also the founder of Open Safe Ottawa, which is exactly what it is, <laughs> just to find a yeah. way to open safely, right? Because small business has shown 
to not be a super spreader. Same with gyms, not a super spreader. Uh, and yet somehow, you know, we still remain closed. And then let's talk about restaurants. And I know that you've been in the restaurant business as well. They're getting kicked in the teeth as well. At least they have the option of doing takeout. And some restaurants were already big on takeout, so they're doing okay. Uh, but some others are still getting crushed. And especially here uh, in the nation's capital where we have a huge patio culture, like every nice day that we've been having, you know, over the yep. last while, I'm thinking, like, just how much money are these businesses losing? And then with the shutdowns uh, where people's, they, they don't know, how much food to order, uh, food going bad, right? They're just getting screwed that way. Uh, tell us a little bit more about OpenSafe. Well, you know, OpenSafe Ottawa. So the city of Ottawa came to me. Um, I had been on a, uh, a newscast on CTV and the city of Ottawa came to me the following day and said, look, we need somebody that um, can be our liaison between small businesses here in town and, uh, and the public health board. So um, a very, very close friend of mine who I've known for a long time, Michael Wood, um, was sort of already doing that. He owns a company called Ottawa Special Events and his company was, was kicked in the sack as well. So they were out. And um, so he started kind of advocating for small business. And we, we took it in a different direction. Um, I had a couple of uh, colleagues of mine that were in the food and beverage industry. Um, we kind of put this little package together. We went to the city and said, look, we'll do our best to try to mitigate some of the issues that you're having reaching out to those businesses. And uh, because, I mean, at one point when all this stuff first was starting and, you know, it's still like that. I mean, the information is so skewed and so all over the place and you have to go to 15 different government websites to find out one thing. And, you know, the, the, the information from the province versus the information from the city and, and even throwing in the, the federal government as well, it was all over the map. So, we put Open Safe Ottawa together to kind of help guide small businesses, um, primarily food and beverage industry businesses, but uh, small businesses overall, um, try to help guide in ways to safely open their businesses um, following guidelines. But we also help map those guidelines out, uh, you know, with the city of Ottawa. Uh, God, geez, I was a year ago almost now. Anyways, it was around this time last year when we reopened everything. So we helped to uh, kind of, you know, make sure that people were understanding what they were allowed to do and not allowed to do. But at the same time, we pushed them really hard. Um, we had many, uh, we had many, many Zoom meetings with, uh, you know, um, Dr. Vera Etches, uh, you know, our, our public health director, uh, Keith Eggly, um, and a few other people that were at the, the local level, um, to try to understand what they want. The government says this. What's your interpretation of it? What does Ottawa Public Health want in response? Um, but we pushed hard for a lot of things as well. Like, you know, they didn't want to open patios last year at all. They didn't want to open indoors. They were really, really steadfast on it. And they didn't understand, you know, the economic crunch at the time. Um, you know, this has been the longest two weeks for most people's lives, you know, right. Still, you know, have a flattened curve. So, so, right. so open safe really came out of that. It was more gathering people together, um, you know, and the other thing was trying to keep a lot of, a lot of uh, heads cool. Because a lot of these guys had had enough, especially down in the market, you know, where they're paying thirty, forty thousand dollars a month rent and getting nothing. So it's great, you know, if the government's giving you sixty or sixty-five or seventy-five percent rent, imagine forty thousand dollars rent and you're still on the hook for ten thousand a month. That's one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year with no revenue stream. Right, and you're they not just open. That, you know? So what's the most frustrating element of it then? I mean, 
you're kind of getting the double whammy is that you're dealing with these government people and like for instance just knowing that you guys had a role to play in opening patios i would never even think that you had that much pull to be quite honest so thank you for that right and i think there's a lot of people that are saying that there has to be some type of uprising or whatever it might be but to understand that you know some politicking can most definitely uh, you know you know have a, a desired result but it's also very slow and it's also stalled uh you know it seems like we're really not going anywhere all that quick uh, even though I mean, people seem to kind of be going about their business right now publicly. I think for the most part, uh, they're fed up. Well, so that frustration for you being a, a business owner, right? And, and then on top of it, just the frustration of not being able to live your life the way that you want to. You know, you got this weekend, for example, it was beautiful. I believe we, you know, we breached 40 degrees with the humidex this, uh, this weekend. The beaches were packed. Mm -hmm. I mean, parks parks were packed. Are those the people that are, you know, anti-mask and anti all this stuff? I don't think so. I think those are the people that have just said, this is enough. It's time for us to be able to live our lives. We did this last year with no vaccinations, with nothing like that at all. And, you know, they keep moving the goalpost on us. And I think that's the biggest problem. Doug Ford saying, you know, the week of June 14th. Well, does that make it June 10th that, the, that their businesses are allowed to reopen and they have no problem flicking that switch to shut them down with 24 hours or 12 hours notices, but they can't turn it on that fast, which makes no sense to me. It's just as easy. So I think, you know, the, the, the biggest frustration right now is from our provincial level is uh, them. They keep moving this goalpost. Oh, once you get so many vaccines and once you do this and once you do that, well, they're, they're basing things on, on, on hopes and dreams that we're going to get vaccination uh, doses from the federal government and we're going to get this and, you know, lumping us all into to one giant province doesn't do anything for anybody either. I get it. Yeah. People travel from Toronto. People are going to travel from whatever. How many people were out golfing before this shutdown order was lifted in Ottawa, before they allowed golf courses to order? I mean, they went over to Quebec and did it. Quebec doesn't care. They're happy to take our money. Who wouldn't be? Right. Who wouldn't be after 15 months of this? Would you close your business? You know, you're allowed your business. Would you ask somebody for identification to make sure they they were, uh, you know, from Quebec or from that region? Of course you wouldn't. Why do you care anymore? You know, it's not your job to enforce it. Your job is to open your restaurant and these days open it safely and nothing further than that. And, you know, it's, it's, it became a difficulty. It came, it became a difficulty here when they want us to, wanted us to, you know, check, uh, everything from, you know, people's, uh, oh, I'm, I'm mask exempt, for example. Okay. Well, why are you mask exempt? That's not my right to ask somebody that. And nor, why do I care? I don't ask every person that comes in my bar if they have, you know, don't touch the glasses. You might have herpes. Like, you know, it's, it's true. It's not, it's, it's not our thing. But to they do. could have herpes. No, <laughs> that could happen. <laughs> well, it's true. You know, it's, it's like anything. If you're going to get something like herpes, I really hope you enjoyed the journey there. Right. You know? It's all about the journey. <laughs> Wise words <laughs> with Scott Rupo. <laughs> Yeah, it's right. It's, it's, it's morning deep thoughts with Jay and Scott. But at the same, you know, in the same breath, though, if you're going over to, to you know, to Quebec to grab a hamburger, you know, you've earned that hamburger, with, you know, when it comes yeah. down to it, you really have. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of all over the place, isn't it? Well, that's the thing. And I think people are frustrated with that as a whole, just the moving of the goalposts. You tell somebody that they get to this point, then they're going to be able to get to do this much. And then you get to that point, then you don't get to do that much. And then they move from, you know, washing your hands and staying so many feet apart and, you know, do this and do that. And then it turns into how many people are in the ICU or 
how many cases there are. And now it's turned into vaccinations overnight. That was an overnight thing that I think was shocking to lots. And I'm very surprised that they came out and they were so bold with it because there's obviously uh, some vaccine pushback. And I'm going to speak on behalf of individuals that may not be comfortable uh, getting a vaccine because I'm definitely not going to live in fear of saying that I don't care to get the vaccine. It's not because I don't think it's safe. It's because I just don't think I need it. I think I had COVID back, back last March. If anything, I wish that maybe they had a, an antibody test to know whether or not I, I, anyone needs a vaccine that has already had the antibodies because then it means it's a wasted, it's a wasted shot on me when it should be going to someone that, that wants it or needs it. Certainly and we're vulnerable, exactly. Right. And I've always used the analogy about skydiving. Like, I mean, skydiving seems like fun. It seems like it's safe. What happened to Gatineau just a couple of weeks ago? For the first time mm-hmm. in that company's history, two people, like a, a trained a trained parachuter and, you know, just a, a happy guest, you know, ended up dead because that just yep. happened. So, uh, you know, in these cases, when it comes to a foreign substance, something that's going into your body, there's a risk, no matter how small it is, that it could, have, it could have an adverse effect. And I just rather take my chances with, you know, whatever it is, just the, the wild COVID virus or whatever it is, uh, opposed to going in there and putting it in my body when maybe I, I think it already happened. Now, uh, where do you, well, I, I don't think that's fair for me to ask you where you stand on that. Uh, but in regards to opening safe now, like since they've switched those goalposts and they've moved it to vaccinations, we're not talking about the, the washing your hands. We're not talking about the masks on, on, your, on your patio or, or in your establishment anymore. Uh, h- how does that change the, the fundamentals of what you're trying to accomplish? Well, I mean, they're still saying that that's still going to be required. So what's the difference? I mean, when it comes down to it, I've had this question asked for me, and I'll say, you know, I'll, I'll be very open about it. You know, people have asked me, are you going to participate in a vaccine passport program? Well, quite frankly, the answer is no. It's not my it's not my place to judge others. It's not my place to exclude others. It'd be the same thing as, you know, and I got to be careful how I word this. I don't want to say it's going to be the same thing, but it's similar to me saying, sorry, you are blind or sorry, you have another disability or whatever it is. Many people can cannot get vaccinated. They will not ever be able to be vaccinated, whether it's for that or it's for chicken pox or it's mumps, measles, rubella. I get all that. Yes, that saved a lot of people back you know, in the 60s and, and whatever, and we've been able to more or less eradicate polio and stuff like that. That's great. There's also a lot of testing involved in all of that stuff. We've got a new type of vaccine now that, you know, technically alters how your body reacts to other other um, viruses and stuff like that. I've been vaccinated. I went and did it. I said, what the hell? I put more crap in my body over my lifetime anyways. This is just another you know, something that's going on. In fact, our whole entire staff has, and it wasn't something that we pushed on them. We just said, hey, look, you know what? You want to do it, do it. You don't want to do it. I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to fire you because you can't. It's not my choice to do that. It's their choice. It's their body. You know, we could get into the whole pro-life and and, and pro-choice things as well. And it's essentially, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I hate to say that, but it's your body. Do what the hell you want to do with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I get it. Yeah, you know. We've done a good job of exposing a terrible situation with our long-term care facilities, but we got those people vaccinated. There's still deaths happening. Our, our amount of deaths here locally and in Ontario and in Canada have been greatly reduced by 
protecting those that were vulnerable, um, our seniors and stuff. The the cases in ICUs now, um, you know, it's people more in our demographic, more in our age group between, you know, 30 and 50 or whatever it is. Uh, but they're going home. They're not dying. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of case numbers. Sure, there's a lot of case numbers. But is that a case with somebody that has the sniffles and got a little bit of a fever? You know, when you're lumping all of that stuff in, or is that a case where somebody's been in their bed for a week straight now? Now is fine. You know, uh, it, there's just their 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 methods and their metrics are just so all over the map of what is what and what isn't. A case is a case is a case. I mean, geez, there's mm-hmm. are we going to stop people from driving because there's a chance that they may get in a car accident? Are we going to you know everybody's a pedestrian now? Are we going to you know take knives away because people are being stabbed on the streets? Things happen. I mean. You know, I don't mean to be a miserable prick about it or whatever. No. But hey, I'll get in there with you, dude. I say this in regards to obesity, right? There, there's, uh, you know, heart-related issues. There's cancers out there. And there's not a whole bunch of people, you know, running outside to, you know, run up the hill at Mooney's Bay and, you know, make their cardiovascular system better or, you know, eating less fast food. Like, the reality is... Uh, right now, where we know this is obviously dealing with our immune system, we want to make it as strong as possible. People are drinking more, eating worse food, doing more drugs. Oh, oh, oh. and just a lot of these things happen to be government institutions. Just saying. Uh, yeah. But, you know, in, in regards to just wanting to make sure that, that we're healthy is that we're so concerned about COVID right now. And, and there are just giant killers out there that we've seemed to completely disregard. And I, I use the example, sorry, of uh, obesity to get back to my, to my original point, is that how would you feel if we lived in a society where you had to be within your BMI, your body mass index, and if you were over, you were considered obese, you were forced to go to the gym, or you couldn't eat at the restaurants that you wanted to, or you right. couldn't buy the foods that you wanted to because they didn't fall within the, the regulations, because it's for your own... It's for your own good. We want you to be healthy individuals. It means less people are going to have heart attacks, stroke, uh, whatever it might be. So how far do we go in regards to these regulations? Do you think we've gone too far already? Do you think this has been blown out of proportion? Well, you know, you used a pretty good analogy there with obesity. It's the same thing. I mean, the government's still taxing cigarettes and alcohol. Mm-hmm. right you know i mean yeah i make my money off of alcohol in a bar obviously you know it's it's a huge uh, amount of our revenue stream but government has no problem selling it to you and, and making sure that they get their cut of it and it's the same thing with cigarettes yeah sure price of cigarettes has gone up to 17 18 20 a pack or whatever and you know 20 years ago it was five dollars a pack government's making the government's making all that money the tobacco farmers aren't and the you know the tobacco industry isn't making any more money than they were government's taking a a lot more of it out of it so what is it like you said you know do they do they have the right to tell you that you need to do something to better your health without telling you that you need to do everything along that spectrum to do that like you said is it you know your bmi is higher than the 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 mean average or whatever it is for your age weight and and uh and uh you know uh, whatever you're, you know, you're male, you're female, whatever it is. So you can't have that hamburger or you can't, um, you know, you have to go to the gym and it's, it's going to be regimented and you have to take this fitness course because it's going to save us all money and, and doctor's fees later on. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the same guy, that guy running up the hill at Mooney's Bay who's, you know, in perfect health and has a very low uh, body mass index could have a heart attack just as quick as, or a stroke or an aneurysm or anything else. And unless we're completely scanning people and testing them for every possible thing that could go wrong with them, people just got to friggin' live. Like, get out there and live. Can't live in fear all the time. And I'm not saying that I'm, I'm you know, I'm fine with people coming in my establishment for the next few years, you know, wearing masks and, and sanitizers. Like, people wash your hands anyways. You know, I was taught that what, a year older, whenever I could start to walk, a year and a half old, wash your hands, kid. You know, stop sticking crayons in your ears. And, and these were things we were taught. You know, don't eat sand. <laughs> you know? <Yes. laughs> but at the same time, because we ate sand and stuff like that, I think our, our immune systems are a lot different than, uh, than people these days that haven't been eating the sand. So. Well, yeah. And that's what they're saying with a lot of what we're doing right now. Maybe we're, we're a little too clean. Like people are cleaning a little too much. I don't know. Like I make some posts that are like, I think I walk the line and I'm right down the middle, but I charge some people right the fuck up. Like (laughs) before I had a chat with you uh, today, someone was giving me a hard time about some information that I was sharing that I just believe to be true. Let me say this again, what I believe which means absolutely nothing outside of just my own scope. That doesn't mean you have to believe it or anyone else has to believe it. But I consider myself to be a rational-minded individual. And at the end of the day, Scotty, all we're doing is picking sides, man, right? I'm picking this side. I believe this. And other people believe the professionals. Like, I mean, professionals, you know, used to say they'd be on, you know, on magazines saying that camels were the best brand to smoke or Lucky Sevens or whatever it might be. Like, get the fuck out of here. You know, there's still, you you trust your hairdresser and you trust your mechanic, you know, five guys can look at your car in five different garages and tell you that five different things are wrong with it. They may have a common, common agreement. Oh yes, you need to change your brake pads, but one person will tell you you need calipers as well. And another person will tell you you need rotors or whatever it is. And somebody else will tell you, you can get by with what you have for next year because your car is cheap enough and you're getting rid of it next year and just put the cheapest stuff on. So we put the cheapest vaccine in our arm to stop something that you may get rid of next year. I don't know. Who knows? And and this is the the one place where I'm most frustrated when it comes to our government. It has nothing to do with the rollouts of the vaccine. It has nothing to do with uh, the moving of the goalposts. It's the fact that they are so out of touch. And they shouldn't because they're human beings with families and loved ones too. Is to you know, they just give you this regular jargon. Ford, I can't, I can't stand Ford. I just cannot. And uh, it, and it's because he just doesn't, he doesn't speak to me. He doesn't, he doesn't inspire me. You're not his friend. It, it, yeah, I'm not his friend, my friends. And it's uh, something along the lines of like, listen, I understand. And listen, I'm no politician, right? I'm just a dumb dumb on the internet, and you just tell me how I'm doing. Uh, listen. My friend, I understand that we're going through trying times and it's polarizing and there's a lot of people on one side and there's a lot of people on the other. But no matter what our views and no matter how much we struggle and no matter how frustrated we may get as a country, it's so important that we stay together, that we are unified because separated, we're not going to be able to accomplish anything, but together we can do everything. 
ta-da, that'd be a great Doug Ford speech. And then try not to tie that into just everyone go get vaccinated and then call it a day. <laughs> well, I think, I think, you know, 12 months ago, he should have gone out to every point of entry into Ontario, changed those signs that says Ontario open for business. You know, yeah. that's just my thing. Now, because he really hasn't, he really hasn't allowed that, you know, and, you know, the government's running out of money. We, we are probably at the highest level of debt that this country has ever seen. Yes. You know, and giving money away and, you know, going back to the food and, and beverage industry, if you hop on any of the uh, social media groups right now, there is every bar and restaurant, whether it's a chain like the Royal Oaks or it's a small mom and pop little place, everybody is looking for employees right now and nobody wants to work. Everybody that was in this industry has now moved on and either found something else in another industry or realized that, you know, if I'm only allowed to serve 10 people on a patio for the next six months, I'm getting paid better on unemployment insurance or, or whatever it is, you know. Can you imagine being a, a, a server on a patio where, you know, you're making, I think, the minimum wage for a server is around $12 an hour or something like that. So they count on those tips. Well, if you're only allowed to have 10 people in there and, you know, they're saying, oh, well, you can have groups of four at a table, but they're not looking at it. As, as soon as one person sits at that table, that's sucked up that group of four. So you may have somebody sitting on a patio drinking beers. You, you know, you can't say. Oh, you're, you're only having one beer an hour, sir. Well, then you'll have to leave. You know, we can't start to sanction things like that. So these servers are picking up, you know, maybe they were doing a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars a day in tips, you know, for 20 bucks to go in. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm a very good friend of mine that, uh, you know, she's a, a bartender at a bar and she's done pretty good when they're open. Um, you know, and she'll take home 150, $200 a day over an eight hour shift, which is, is pretty good money, but she's also on her feet all day and. You know, for that eight-hour shift after taxes and stuff, she probably sees about 60 of it on her paycheck. So without those tips, can you imagine going into it for an eight-hour day to make 60 bucks? Nobody's going to do that. Mm-hmm. So it's incredible that they've, they've really messed with that whole industry. And same thing with the entertainment industry. You know, people are all excited for these festivals and stuff to come back. A lot of those guys, especially union guys now, have moved on. The, the uh, You know, I know our IATSE 471, our local... Uh, Union here, stagehands and, and whatever. I, you know, these are guys I work with on a regular basis with, uh, with professional sound and lighting. It's the same thing. You know, they've come to the point where a lot of these guys have moved on. I've got so many friends that have moved to the West Coast now and to, uh, to the East Coast as well because they know that the industry is not coming back for years here. You know, you're talking hundreds of thousands of people at a business across North America or out of work, uh, you know, with the festival industry. And we're seeing them pop up in the States. And I get it. Yeah, they're further ahead in the vaccines and blah, blah, blah. And, they, you know, they don't have paid health care and this and that. But when it still comes down to it, if you've got 10,000 people down at a beach, why can't you have 10,000 people at a festival? I mean, show right. me the difference. Right. Where at least you can regulate the flow and intervene and put in some measures, which, again, like, I'm not a big fan of. <laughs> but... I mean, if, if that's what people have to do, I personally, uh, oh, I just don't even want to get into it. But I, I really just rather give my money to things that are things that we did when life was normal, opposed to these evolved things of how things were with COVID. I mean, because, listen, I guess it's because they, they talk about, COVID being around kind of like forever now, like the flu, like you want me to wear a a mask forever? 
like forever you want me to do this? You want me to go to a venue? Like we want kids riding around on their bicycles with masks forever. We want people in their car wearing masks forever. Like what is the game plan for some type of return to normalcy? Or was this new normal all along like this dystopian reality? Like where, I mean, we do some of the things that we used to do, but we don't do them the same anymore. We do everything differently. I don't think anyone would have signed up for that new normal, to be quite honest. Yeah, I mean, you're always going to have those people. And unfortunately, it's the people that have not missed a paycheck that were more than happy to work at home for the rest of their lives anyways. Um, you know, and at a local level here, being, you know, the capital, we have so much federal employees in our town. They're perfectly happy working from from home. You know, the federal government's going to be saving thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on rent and, and freeing up all of the space that they don't need. In fact, they'll be able to, any federally owned buildings or provincially owned buildings that are run out of, out of Ottawa that, or, or, you know, anywhere really, um, you know, they'll be able to rent those facilities back. They'll be able to, to, to sell off some of the, those assets as well. Right. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of that too. And like what you're saying about masks and stuff, you know, we, on the restaurant level, we became the police for the public health officers and we became the police for bylaw and stuff. You know, it was our duty to sign somebody in and check their ID and, and make sure that they were wearing a mask and make sure that they were distancing. Did we get compensated for any of that? We got a thousand dollars towards PPE purchasing a thousand dollars over a year. It cost me somewhere. Well, I got a little bit better of a deal, but on a retail level, we spent about $2,500 on plexiglass alone. I invented, well, I didn't invent, but I perfected a uh, a shield that went on a mic stand and I've given them out to all the other venues in town here. I've helped out our friends at Live on Elgin and uh, and at the Rainbow and, um, you know, the Neighborhood Pub and a lot of these places bought these plexiglass screens off of us because they wanted us to plexiglass their, or to plasticize or whatever it was, make a barrier for the entire stage. You, were, you know, these poor acts were going to be, even a, a, a singer-songwriter on his acoustic guitar, they wanted them in a fishbowl to do this stuff. I'm like, this is ridiculous. You're telling us it's one thing and this is how it's spread. You know, from, from my stage line to my first table, it's about 10 feet. And then I've got a guy sitting on the, in the middle of the stage, so that's probably putting him at about 14 feet with a plexiglass mask or shield in front of him. And that still wasn't good enough. We weren't even allowed to live stream alone in the bar during the last lockdown. Like, I mean, where did that come from? It was just crazy. I was, uh, did, um, a spot on CBC radio one uh, about a month ago, um, with Aaron, who's the, uh, the CEO of the Canadian live music association. And, uh, you know, we were with Alan, uh, on, on the show and we were like, holy crap, like this is ridiculous. So we can't live stream. You can't have one person sitting in a bar, but I can do it from my, from my living room. You know, right. uh, you can live stream a, a funeral of five people or whatever it was, but it was music, you know, pull out the footloose. Like it was, it was right. insane. Right. I think you that's know, what a lot of people are frustrated. Kevin Bacon to come driving in and tell me, uh, we're going to, we're going to take this on and you know, whatever it was. So. Yeah, it's difficult. That That's, I think, where the frustration just for most people in general come from is that they're scratching their heads in regards to how did some of these regulations come to be? And if I had any message that I could pass along to government that I would just share from my years in business as a, as a solopreneur and an entrepreneur, 
and some of that's living through COVID just like they are. And it's something that a lot of people in power don't do because they believe it's coming from a place of weakness because leaders are supposed to just lead and do. Leaders don't ask questions. Leaders just crush it, right? And sometimes, sometimes the most powerful thing someone can do as a leader is that you can ask the people that you lead what they think, right? And some big brands do this. They want to know what the people that are buying their products want from their next product. And I I think government right now should be asking the brilliant minds that we have in Canada here, uh, you know, and you, Michael Wood, other people that are really connected to their communities, what could we do better? Where are we failing and what could we do better? What are people saying that just doesn't make any fucking sense because we're hearing a lot of that? And then know what? One by one, just start peeling back some of these things that just don't make any sense. So at least we have some type of congruent type of, of living, like a, a lifestyle that makes sense, opposed to people asking whether or not they're allowed to walk their dog or <laughs> if they're allowed to drive 20 minutes down the street. People are so confused. Oh, yeah, it's... I mean, it's terrible, especially, you know, we look at it here. We share a border that's a body of water with Quebec. I mean, you know, so Gatineau has been wide open for a week. They've been somewhat open for almost two weeks now. We've dumped a lot of money as Ontarians into restaurants and pubs, which is great for our colleagues in Gatineau. God bless them. They're making some money finally. You know, I totally support that, but it's kind of a, it's kind of a hard pill to swallow when you can sit and look across the river at the Elmer Marina where they're serving up their <laughs> Laurentide and their Saint-Cont and, you know, you can look across the street at the Depaner, which I probably think is a word that you and I are not allowed to ever say again because we got in some trouble with one once. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, you know what I mean? So you're looking across the river and you're seeing everybody parading around and they've, they're proud as peacocks running around and enjoying themselves. Right. And we've got to look at it and, you know, comes down to, yeah, they'll accept us over there, but the police are just being just as tough coming back. Why are we in fact, what are you doing? You know, so there should have been a greater approach to us as a, as a metropolis, if you want to call it, you know, yeah. the, the region of Ottawa Gatineau, that should have been consideration as well. Right. Um, I get that there's some difficulties, you know, on provincial levels and stuff like that. But I think, I think that, Legault and Ford could have worked something out and just left it up to the mayors of those two cities to deal with it. Um, you know, I don't know how many people work in Ontario and living in Guyana. No, I know so many people because it's it, the rent is cheaper. Um, you know, the cost of living is a little bit uh, different over there. Yeah, the tax, they might get you on the taxes or whatever later on, but hey, we don't have to pay that shit anymore anyways, right? right. So who cares? You know, so, when so it comes so down to it, yeah, it's, it's a shame that uh, we lose a lot. Let's let's wrap up on this because we we are going to be reopening whatever that means, uh, mm-hmm. you know, next week or this week, <laughs> and you know, this conversation could be all for naught. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, but it did highlight a lot of the problems that we've we've had previously, and and these problems have not gone away. What we're talking about, and there's a very strong likelihood that we're going to be dealing with them again. I. I I don't want to be a party pooper here, but I, I truly just, I can't, I can't believe it in my bones that this is going to be the final lockdown. Uh, so what, what are your plans for reopening with 
the brass monkey. And let's just hope that I'm wrong. And I hope that I am wrong, uh, that we get back to being a, a thriving economy, a real happening city, uh, a lot more smiling faces, people getting together, loving one another, and you know, bringing unity back to this city. But what, what is it looking like for the brass monkey? Well, at this point right now, I mean, if Ford sticks to his timeline between with 21 days between phases at the, at a minimum, and people aren't realizing that he uses things like the week of instead of June, June 14th and uh, a minimum of 21 days. And then we'll review and things like that. So best case scenario, um, we hit phase one, June 14th, uh, indoor gatherings, which we still don't have any guidelines for, for phase three, um, puts us around, I believe, August 26th, no, June, July 26th. So, uh, I'm thinking they'll probably push that till after the August long weekend, the Pacific long weekend in August. Uh, so there's a potential that you'll see indoor dining, uh, unless, you know, there's a major uprise or something. There's a potential that you'll see something, uh, beginning of August. I'm thinking with Brass Monkey, we'll probably just hold off till after Labor Day now, uh, at this point, seeing as, you know, once they start allowing us to go out and do things, people are going to be hitting their cottage. They're going to be doing, I mean, they're allowed to right now, but they're opening uh, short-term rentals are going to be uh, allowed during phase one. So I don't know, after 15 months, I don't want to be, you know, sitting in a basement bar somewhere drowning my sorrows. So I've had, a, I've had that discussion with my staff and we're kind of shooting for September. Um, we do have some good stuff booked. We've got uh, October, the end of October, we're bringing Buck Cherry in. Um, nice. with, uh, with a partnership with um, Diamond Mine Agency with Brandon. Uh, he had to move that show. That show is rescheduled two times now at Barrymore's. And um, unfortunately, it looks like we're losing another live music venue here in town, which hasn't really been a live music venue for for quite a while. But they have been using the stage for live uh, music, not as it was in its former glory. But, mm-hmm. um, but with the issues with that being a heritage building and uh, the landlord and the tenant having disputes and, and whatnot, a uh, lot I better say upwards of probably a million dollars worth of repair that that building needs to uh, to have before it can be occupied mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. So um, we've moved that show over to our venue. Um, again, we don't know what we're going to have for capacity. If the borders will be open, if you know U.S. bands can even get across. I've been speaking to a lot of our U.S. agents. Right. Um, you know, uh, there's potential that they will become working uh so just like anybody else who has to cross into canada from somewhere else on a work permit uh there may be something to do with that Um, yeah i sure hope so they're doing it for hockey and all these sports uh and i also want to touch on this before uh i forget because it's the most important because uh brass monkey has been an institution right here in the nation's capital for quite some time now uh and we love you scotty you know this uh you have a great following you do a lot for this city uh you do a lot for local music uh, you do a lot for music in general. And not just that, you go beyond uh, music. And, you know, there have been some tragedies over uh, the years that you've been there. And you've always stepped up on a local level uh, to help fundraise, uh, put together charities, all that kind of stuff for people in need, whether it be uh, a sudden passing or a tragic passing of somebody or a house burning down, whatever it might be. And I thank you for that. And I think it's just... Uh, so awesome to be able to call you my friend. I wish we hung out more. Uh, I will most definitely tackle that moving forward because uh, if COVID has taught me anything, uh, friends and family are the most important things. Sure. And those are the things that I want to make sure are the closest to my heart. 
uh, but you are also doing some fundraising right now. So for someone that has done so much for other people, I'm going to ask, I'm not going to leave it on Scotty. I'm going to ask uh, that, you know, you, you not even necessarily donate, but you can purchase something from the Brass Monkey uh, and, you know, let Scotty tell you more about that. Yeah, we partnered with a, uh, a local uh, small business who um, does merchandise, keychains and greeting cards, business cards, uh, T-shirts and whatever. They approached us and said, hey, we want to help you out because um, we know that you're still paying your bills and you still have to pay your bills and your bills are piling up, um, you know, with zero revenue. And uh, so they came to us and said, why don't we help you out and we'll do runs of shirts and hats and uh hoodies and whatever merchandise you know branded branded brass monkey merchandise um at cost we'll sell it to you at our cost and we'll we'll throw in the labor for free and we'll do it ourselves um so we've launched uh we've launched that great quality stuff they're using all brand name gildan and, and whatever for for their t-shirts and their hoodies and stuff like that uh the i got to see some samples over the weekend and you know they look really good they did a really good job at it so so we've got that uh i think it's brass monkey dot square dot site or something like that is the website uh i just got into this whole e-commerce thing so it took me like five days just to figure out how to <laughs> it's like, all good run it anyway. i'll run make sure it. the link is up there for people to to purchase some items yeah and we've also got uh, we've had some corporate uh uh you know partners that have come in and come to us and bought gift cards uh through our online portal as well so we're selling virtual gift cards uh and those are available um as well and i'll send you the link if you haven't already seen it uh but it's uh it's the same thing you know we had uh, uh one of our colleagues cool heat comfort systems uh purchased 500 in gift cards yesterday and basically what they're doing is they're giving them away as a rebate so you buy a new air conditioner you have some kind of service done through them and they give you a 50 dollars gift card uh and it's virtual so it just gets emailed to that to that guest all we need when they arrive is their phone number they don't have to show up with a card or anything like that we punch it nice. in the system and and it just kind of works its way down like a prepaid credit card or yeah, anything like that's that. That's Ray. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm hooked up Ray with one of my sponsors, Car City Canada. He's looking for a Jeep. Yeah. So <laughs> small world, yeah, eh? Yeah, Ray's, looking, Ray's, Ray's got his head, his head stuck around his Jeep since his, uh, I think he blew the training in his uh, last year. And he's been kind of fighting with it. So, Well, Car City Canada is going to find him a Jeep. Thank you to my proud sponsor. All right, buddy. Well, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me. It was a really, really good talk. And you know what? I want people to know this. Like, there are some fundamentals uh, that that Scotty believes in when it comes to COVID that I don't. We have some differing point of views. uh, But there's also some common ground, right? Because we're all going through this, and, and that's undeniable, is that, you know what, it's you can still sit and have a conversation and work things out and, and, and move agendas right. forward, right? Even though you, you may not agree on, on everything. The, the most important thing that we agree to, to have civil conversations uh, and, and to talk about what, you know, I, I, I want to know what's going on with Scotty. I want to know what's going on uh, with small business. The next time, you know, before you maybe order from an Amazon or go online shopping to think about stopping by and buying local or, putting a couple of bucks aside, if you can, every week, you know, to help someone fund right, uh, fundraise or, or, or give to a charity uh, that might keep the doors open because they have friends and family that they're helping support too. Thank you very much, Scotty. Uh, All right, brother. Yeah. And if you enjoyed uh, the conversation, heck, 
subscribe if you haven't uh, by now. Also, uh, make sure that you check out the Brass Monkey online. I'm going to make sure that's in the description as well uh, and buy some merch from them so they can keep their doors open. And I'm looking forward to catching you guys in the fall. You take care, be well, and love simply because you can.